Filmmakers, it's time to use Soldo. Soldo is a payment solution that replaces petty cash given to employees and production assistants when in prep, on set or in post-production. Soldo is a multi-user expense account that helps you control business spending. You can give Soldo cards to some or every employee, to entire teams or even contractors instantly. Transfer funds to all card holders and you can use Soldo for free for three months with the code FilmmakersPod. Soldo.com. Listen for more info in today's episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. Welcome to episode 275 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking. From indie film to studio films, TV and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to fuck it up. In our very, very humble opinion. <laughs> Indeed it is. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. If you're new, where have you been? We've been waiting for you for four years. I reckon there might be someone out there who's listened to all 270 five including this one now uh, i hope so every single listener right every single listener if you have put your hand up i'd <laughs> yeah. love it i'd love to know if anyone listened to every single episode even if it was just the beginning yeah, yeah. not that one <laughs> <laughs> today on the show we welcome the fantastic and very delightful lisa azuelos her film i love america is out on amazon prime now myself and toby came up with the title for this episode but it's not clickbait is it toby no it's not because her first film actually was a failure she did one film and it failed and she felt really bad about it but she used her anger and her rage about this failure to make a success and a successful hollywood film and that's an incredible story and it really is and it's ridiculously inspiring so don't give up it's not easy to make a hit film it's not easy to make a great film it's easy to fuck it up don't be disheartened by whatever's gone in the past if your short hasn't done well if your first feature hasn't done well if the script you sent out to all those uh, screenwriting competitions came back didn't even make the court finalists don't worry about it it's not the be all and end all if you're a filmmaker and you want to do it go do it. Your mum is worrying about you enough, so don't you worry about yourself. <laughs> exactly. So on this episode with Lisa, we talk about her writing process, working as a sitcom writer, learning how to be efficient and humble, how she writes collectively and intuitively and how she learns from other writers. Also, what it's like being a mum and a filmmaker at the same time and how she started out in this industry. She went from the finance world into the filmmaking world. She also talks about making LOL, laughing out loud in France and what it was like to remake it in America with Miley Cyrus and Demi Moore. She talks about the difference in the filmmaking culture, directing kids and what it was like to write and direct I Love America. All that to come. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director and a producer. And you are? I am Tobias Fees. I'm a writer-director. Short film? Writer-director. I'm a writer-director. <laughs> Thank you. Be positive. Yeah. Look at that. It's not just short films, Toby. You've also written feature films uh, that have been produced and out there. It's just not allowed to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, isn't it? How funny that we instantly feel ashamed or embarrassed to say anything. I took, it took me so long to go, yeah, I'm a filmmaker. Yeah, I'm a writer. I'm a director. 
But actually, the more you own it, the more you say it, yes, the more real it becomes. That's what I do. Uh, so thank you all those who listen to our episodes. I say episodes because there was a few in the last couple of weeks. And years. And yeah, sorry, <laughs> yes. And for those who've listened to all the episodes, <laughs> please, please do shout out. I'd love it. At Filmmakers Pod, do at us. Uh, Peter Pock. Gosh, has anyone seen X yet? How great is that movie if you've seen it in the cinema? Uh, Kate Dolan's film, You Are Not My Mother. Wow, so much love for that episode with her. She was brilliant. Uh, and myself and Phil did have a chat, which is a kind of Patreon special, but me and Toby have been talking about how we're going to develop the podcast and what we're going to do coming up. And we're going to do something different, aren't we? We're going to do some round tables. We're going to do some specific indie filmmaking chats where we're targeting specific areas we're literally going crazy we are going crazy at only episode 275 <laughs> because we're targeting areas like short films just like cinematography we're gonna maybe do round table with four cinematographers and a round table with uh, four short filmmakers etc or editors but then we'll go in specific on yes. those areas as well yeah. like uh, funding or like lenses or location hunting or first ADing or ADing department so Hopefully, if you like that, let us know. Literally, shout us out. Say yes, we'd like that. DM us, whatever it is. Also, we mentioned our Patreon there. But uh, so, if you do want more from us, then go to that link. Is in the show notes. Do come support us. But also, we do the wrap up. What's the wrap up? The wrap up. Thank you, Toby. Is our weekly newsletter where we take articles from around the filmmaking world and put them into one friendly newsletter for you. So, if you want that, do sign up. Link is in the show notes if you haven't already. And the reason why you should sign up is because there's a brilliant article on there there's always brilliant articles but this one stood out because if you didn't see it these are the kind of articles that we find this one is top funds uk filmmakers can apply for now this article originally was on backstage and then we took it for the wrap up and it links you back to the backstage but it's basically talking about where the top funds are now for indie filmmakers in the film industry and there is a hunger for this there really is because people always say how do you fund your films right okay well here's a perfect article and that was all because of our wrap-up finding that so bfi network always difficult but hey it's a really important one first flights is a great one genera films uncertain kingdom is a new one starting check that out screen scotland screen uh, film wales and northern ireland screen obviously it helps if you're from those areas and in fact i might not apply if you're not but the top four there really exciting check out the wrap up things like that are on it all the time and it's easy for you to find link to you subscribing and it's free is in the show notes uh, we should get to today's episode because as much as we're amazing and interesting in this intro Lisa is much more amazing. And way funnier. Way funnier. But don't forget me and Toby are hosting, so therefore you do get more of us. We don't go away. We don't disappear. No, we stay. Sorry. I'm so sorry about <laughs> sorry. that. <laughs> don't forget I Love America is out now. Do go support indie films. Oh, and that's something else I wanted to say, is if you want to be an indie filmmaker, watch indie films. All these amazing indie filmmakers who've come on this podcast, you really should be watching their films. And if not, seeking out other indie filmmaking films and going to film festivals because you watch them. And that's what's amazing about for me, and I'm sure it is for you, Toby, about doing this podcast, is you get to watch all these indie films all the time. And that can only help us, right? Yes, the indie world is a community and be part of the community. Oh, that was nice. So here it is, our episode with the fantastic Lisa Azuelos. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. 
How are you doing? I'm great. You've had a day full of press. <laughs> I kind of like it, you know, it's very narcissistic. I love to talk about what I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. It's brilliant. I love it too. Uh, <laughs> we're all so narcissistic, aren't we? So thank you so much for spending time with us. We chat filmmaking and obviously we will chat your film as well, which was, you know, a delight to watch. Beautifully oh, shot. thank you so much. Stunning performances. Just really one of those that warm that you just wanted to envelop and hug. And yeah, uh, and, and obviously it comes from your childhood as well, which is quite quite incredible really it feels that way i don't know i guess to toby and then when we were researching yeah. you it kind of felt that this was very uh, autobiographical autobiographical let's go with that word <laughs> you <laughs> this one, yeah. yes that's a much better way of saying it actually all my movies are very autobiographical oh it's there we go it's yeah. better in French. <laughs> yeah. All my movies talk about me. Let's let's put it that way. <laughs> right? But isn't that the way that we should do it? Because we have to say what we mean. Because you've written everything that you've directed as well, you know, in terms of your features, which is incredible. Because often you get to the stage where other screenwriters will be handing scripts or producers giving you scripts, but you've written it. And it's amazing that, of course, we're going to write about ourselves, right? Yeah. I mean, I, plus I have no imagination. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so not true. I love you. <laughs> It is true. It is true. I can't, you know, when I was drawing things, I could only draw things that I was in that were in front of me. And when I'm writing a story, I can only write about things that happened to me because I can't imagine like different worlds. I would have not been able to write Harry Potter or, you know, a fantasy world. Mm. I have not that kind of imagination. And some writers, it's exactly the contrary. They need to go in fantasy world or something that's very far away from them because mm. otherwise they can't talk about it. And me, it's the contrary, you know. And my only little maybe gift that I have is that I can link my inner, very intimate self with everybody else's. And because I think that, you know, I don't believe in the myth of separation. I <laughs> believe there's a unity and this is the unity that I'm looking for. Oh, that's mm. gorgeous. It's a, it's a lovely way of putting it, right? Yeah. And how does it then translate when you're writing the screenplay? What is it like in, this, in the writing process, right? Yeah, you have your life and the moments you experience yourself, but then you need to dramatize it, right? And put it into a structure. How, how does that process look? Like? I don't even dramatize. Oh, <laughs> it really happens to me. <laughs> it happens to you. Yes, I'm forcing myself. I'm forcing myself to uh, live life and not writing about it, making it some space between the time it happens to me mm -hmm. and the time I'm writing it, but I'm taking notes and I'm like taking notes, 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 but then, you know, it, it's, I'm not deciding to write a story. I'm full enough that now is the moment that I can write a story. It's like, I'm saying as a tree, you know, you're blossoming and then you have a, a green fruit and then you have a fruit and The, the, the writing is when the fruit is falling off the tree, no. but I'm not deciding that this is the day that the, the fruit is falling off the tree. No, it's when I'm full of myself, full of life, full of links that I made. I'm like, well, now I've got a story. Let's go for it. That's really interesting because people struggle to find stories. Do you know what I mean? We're like, where does the next one come from? Like say, did you always want to do a movie like I Love America, which is pretty much a lot, well, it feels like a lot based on your life, certainly the younger life. Was that always the plan in the back of your mind that one day, especially, you know, when you start to be a filmmaker, I would like to, to, to make this kind of movie? Well, I always had a voice in my head since I'm like 
five, six, telling the story of my life while I'm living it. Maybe mm. I could have ended him in a mental hospital for that. But <laughs> thank God, you know, I became... Became a filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, that my arms are like free. I'm not, you know, in a camisole yes. or whatever. <laughs> uh, the thing is, all my movies, and it's my eighth movie, I'm doing my, my life. But mm. in the beginning, you know, my movies was about it's and it's always about i would love to do something else but apparently i'm not it's always about what's love about how can men and women become good lovers good people one to each other why are we fighting and what it is to be a mom and what it is to be a woman when you're not a wife when you're not a mom you know what is it to be a woman because in your language a woman is not a wife in my language femme means woman. Wife mm. means woman. It's the same word. Mm. Oh. It's very difficult, you know, to know what is the essence of being a woman when you're not a wife and when you're not a mom. And this is what I'm always trying to understand. Mm. And also how this woman can connect with a man, because that's what's, you know, at the end of the day, for me, that's what's important. How did you juggle then? You know, because you've got three kids is that correct yeah. i did my homework reasonably uh, correctly um how did you manage to juggle being a filmmaker and like you said there being a mother and a wife it, it, you said there it was difficult it's the same word but how you know you're fighting to be a filmmaker at the same time that's hard can you talk a little bit about that well it's not because i'm a filmmaker it's because i decided to keep on working and being a mom but first of all my first movie, I'm 40 when I do it. You don't look 40 now. Well, well, I'm much more than 40. So okay. uh, thank you, but no. Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, my kids were kind of big. My first movie is 2006 and my last daughter was born in 1998. Mm. So I had this, you know, incompressible moment in my life when I'd rather be a, a, a mother than just, you know, a liberated woman who's like, thinks she's an artist, you know? Mm. So I had to commit to being a mom first because obviously of the childhood I had, I also wanted to not be a failure uh, as a mom because mm. we have this pressure to be good moms, you know? And this is what I'm trying to struggle against in my movies is there's no such thing as a bad mother. Mm. It's not true, you know, you mm -hmm. stop, women have so much pressure with that totally stupid totally. thing. And also I'm being helped, you know, I have, in a movie, it's my story, but like 55 people are helping me to build that story. You know, the DP, the editor, the, the costume, the production designer, everybody is, you know, in the same direction as I am. And as a mom, I, I was helped by someone who was helping me in the house, but also by my uh, older daughter, by friends, by my grand, my parents. You know, I was trying to negotiate that thing. And also I was telling my kids, I'm sorry, I'm your mom and I'll always be there for you, but I need to be there for myself as well. And that's really tough to do. Really tough. What was the transition then like from your focus on being a mom to then saying, okay, I, I want to focus on myself as well and, and be a filmmaker? It was quite natural because I yeah. was married to a movie director. So in the beginning, I was just a scriptwriter for him. And, you know, mm. I was more focusing on the kids. But, you know, they were used to they were used to this world, you know, and the enemy is guilt. This is what 
human beings must understand. Whether yeah. you're a man or a woman, the enemy is guilt. You know, and if you fight guilt, I mean, if you embrace guilt, because whatever you fight, you're reinforcing, obviously. If you're like saying, okay, maybe today I'm a bad mother, but I'm a good person to my artistry or, or to my writing or to my whatever. And, you know, I also learned how to write a script with with my kids all around screaming and doing things. And, wow. you know, I, I have my own little world. And one of my script, I remember I was uh, writing the script and I was uh, breastfeeding. So I had my, my, my baby on the table mm -hmm. and I was giving my, 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 my how do you say, my, uh, my breast. Uh, <laughs> she was like, I was feeding her and I was still writing the script because I had a deadline and I had to give it like two days after. So it was crazy, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you make it work, right? You do. Yeah, you so, yeah. Everything is intention. When you right. have a clear intention, I want to be, I want to be the best mom I can be. And I want to write that script. Mm -hmm. Then life makes it happen. Yes. Yeah, because you fight through it. It's interesting, isn't it, how you have to juggle those two things, you know, in terms of the motherhood and the script writing at the time. Actually, talk us through why you wanted to be a screenwriter, because I think at first, and then or maybe you wanted, always wanted to be the filmmaker, the director, producer, screenwriter. What, you don't what was choose, it for I you? Think. You don't, I don't choose. Think, okay. I don't think I had the choice because I tried to do something else. You know, I did. Mm. I was a very good student and, uh, and I had my baccalaureate, which is my graduation. I was 16. And to be able to work i needed to wait 18 so uh, in the beginning i was i thought i would be an actress and i was proposed many roles and my parents would say no all the time and because i wasn't 18 i couldn't work without their approbation so i said okay what am i going to do for two years i'm going to university so i went to study finance in university then i had a major in in university and finance and then you know everybody told me well now that you have this great diploma why don't you go in the stock exchange and become a finance person which I did for a year wow. and I was working at the stock exchange and I was uh, in the finance world and at the end of one year I was like I'm fucking losing my time here this is not my area this is mm. not I can't be in an office I can have a boss I can't obey that's maybe that's my major problem I can't obey to people <laughs> And why should you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, I was like, are you serious? Everybody was like looking, oh, you see, uh, the 14th of July, which is our, uh, is going to be a Friday. So it's good. We're going to have four days of freedom. And I'm like, I want my whole life to be a freedom life, you know? Mm. So I decided to quit and I had the chance to have my best friend. She was uh, working on sets. So I began to, you know, to do coffees and garbage and things like that on sets. Mm. And then suddenly I was having less, less money than when I was obviously in the finance world, of course. Yeah. But, of course, but I was so much happier. And I was mm. like, this is my world. This is my tribe. And I think all you need is to find your tribe. And once you're in the good tribe and my first short movie that I direct, I remember exactly precisely where, what, what time yes. and I, felt, I said action. And I said, this is where I belong. And since that day, I have no doubt that I'm in the right place for me. Love that. Same for me as well. Toby, same for you? That first time you called action? Uh, no, it was when I watched movies as a child. And, you know, and I oh. always knew that I wanted to become a direct, uh, writer and director. Well, you've just ruined this. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, how was your, like I say, you started off doing bits and pieces on set. You'd moved from the business side, the banking side, the financial side to being on set and seeing that. How did you say, okay, I'm going to write a script? 
screenplay and know any kind of format? Did you literally just blurb stuff out with your first short? Yeah, the first thing I did was a short movie and I thought that everybody could do it because I could do it, you know? I thought mm. I wasn't, it wasn't supernatural. So I did this short movie and then... I realized that this was a job, you know, and, yeah. and that, that could be my, my job for a living. And I was very uh, lucky to meet some, some people who, who helped me really in, in the business say, oh, you know, you're gifted. You should keep on doing this and blah, blah, blah. Because I obviously I showed my movie to mm -hmm. a lot of people. I knew a lot of people. I've always, you know, been in the... Uh, I was going to Cannes Film Festival. I was uh, mm -hmm. sleeping in my car and and making like a beauty princess while going to the screenings. But I was I was sleeping in couches and stupid things. But I was so you know I was so passionate about movies. And then I went to Los Angeles for the first time in my life to take Robert McKee uh, mm -hmm. class for uh, screenwriting. Okay, and it was a game changer for me because I I really understood that a I kind of was gifted because the thing I did was not so far away from what I was taught, mm -hmm. but B, there was so many things to learn from that man and from, you know, the business that I became obsessed by writing a good script. And basically because your podcast is about that, mm -hmm. he said something that really changed my life. He said, a good script is a script that you can't take anything away of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you always feel that you have to fill it in. But it's not true. It's as much as, as you can empty it out and then it's going to be good. I love that. Robert McKee said some good things. <laughs> He's quite a smart man. Yeah, yeah. He's quite a smart man. <laughs> when you li like screenwriting, it's, it's such a great class. Right. Not so much. I wrote, you know, my little short movie. I did one movie with... Uh, I, I co-directed with my my uh, ex-husband mm -hmm. and then I wrote the 15th of August and it got picked out immediately. See, that's great. I mean, it says that you're a great writer. It says that you've had this something. Also because my first movie was such a failure and it broke my heart. I was like, maybe I should stop. You know, it was mm -hmm. such a failure. I, I felt ashamed walking in the streets. I thought everybody was you know, shaming me. And, you know, it was really the walk of shame for like six months for me because I thought everybody knew how failure it, it has been my first movie. So then I decided the next one is going to be such a hit and I want this to, I you know, see. so this is, I came out from rage. Oh, I see. And that was Ansi uh, Sorrent Elez. Is that right? I mean, I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm so sorry. My French is terrible. Ansi Swatel. That's it. Yeah. Thank you for my terrible French. Apologies to anyone French listening. Yeah. So talk us through that. Why did you think it was an embarrassment? Talk us through that and how, because it's so hard to get over the those moments where you just feel yeah like you feel you're you. such a hero when you do a movie mm -hmm. and then nobody gives a shit you know and you understand that you, you and and plus you know it was a movie about sex and love already you know and uh it was uh pg-18 at that time right just because you know girls were enjoying sex and you know maybe it's been my whole life uh, mm -hmm. uh struggle and then i felt nobody's gonna like what i'm doing nobody's interested in what i have in my head and I felt very, very shameful about that. And plus, you know, it costs money and you feel like, oh my God, I spent all this money and it's not, mm. people are going to lose money because of me. And, you know, I felt a lot of uh, different things. 
Now yeah. I understand uh, nobody gives a, a, a shit when they lose money in the movie business because anyway, they don't know where to put it, but you know. Mm, but you do and what you go through in your head, but it, it's not just that, is it? It's the fact that you think what you thought was a great product because we do when we're starting out, we're writing it, we're directing it, we're doing it. We think it's good. We don't think it's shit. We think it's good and acceptable. And then when it comes out and it's panned, it's really difficult to take. It's really hard. Because you feel like it's used, personal attack, right? Is that how it felt for you? You've done a little baby and people mm -hmm. go uh, and they look at it and say, oh, it's <laughs> That's really ugly, ugly but <laughs> it's the first one. So it's not really important. You're going to make other babies that are going to look better. But this one really is embarrassing. You know, this right. is how yeah. I felt. And I, I, I still wanted to love that baby. Mm -hmm. And you probably still, well, you do. You can't help it. You know, it doesn't matter how ugly your babies are. You still love them. <laughs> that you don't go in the street with him. Yeah. <laughs> Bag over his head with it. How did you, like you say, it was quite, it was five years before August 15th from your first movie then became, and obviously you were accredited as a writer, you didn't direct that or Cavalcade. Afterwards, the second one you wrote. How did you get that next scripts made? You know, because obviously during that time you felt like a failure, even though you weren't because making a film is a huge achievement. How did you say, okay, I need to get back on the horse. I need to keep writing. I need to keep creating. How, how did you, what was in your mindset at that time to do well, that? Well, I already had a baby and I really had a life to, you know, to earn. Mm -hmm. So I accepted some job where I was basically writing some sitcom. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. And it was really shitty sitcom, but super <laughs> successful. No, but super successful. You know how shitty sitcoms can become super successful? Yes. Yeah, 100%. And it's the best thing I've ever made in my entire career because I learned really how to be efficient, mm -hmm. how to... I had a boss. He was like, oh, this is shit. This is good. This you have to make it funnier. This is not, not interesting. This is... You know, it was... All my lines were had a number. So it was like number eight, not funny. Number 10, make it funnier. Number, you know, so I really wow. learned how to write in a very difficult mm -hmm. way and to obey to someone. But this someone was someone super good at it. Mm -hmm. And this is how basically I learned my, I, I earned my money uh, writing, writing, writing shitty stuff, but making it better, better and better mm -hmm. and better, you know, and being very humble about my job because suddenly you become just, you know, hands that right and they're just hire your brain and what is in you they don't care they mm -hmm. just want to be efficient and i learned a certain efficiency and a certain humility that maybe i i was lacking of before this was my real school of writing that's incredible yeah, yeah. when you're part of such a group and you know like writers when you're like 10 writers to write friends Maybe you're not the one who wrote Friends, but you you learn from this. You learn mm. from this experience. So this sitcom was like a Friends uh, thing in French, in France, and it was quite successful. And then from there, I took confidence in my writing, and I decided to write a movie again. Fan mail. Fan mail. Sponsored by Soldo. So, Toby, who wrote to us this week? We got tons of fan mails this week. As always. As always. And one of them was from Bruce Wayne. You may know him from the Batman TV show. No, uh, who did he play? Uh, Batman. Batman? Wait. 
Bruce Wayne is Batman? You bet he is. Spoiler. So, he wrote to us as he wants to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Wow. Do you know what? He would be marvelous in that. And as we at the Filmmakers Podcast at the forefront of indie filmmaking, mm -hmm. he has asked us for help. Can we help? Oh, we can help because we use Soldo. <laughs> Wait a moment, what's Soldo? Soldo is a payment solution that replaces petty cash given to employees or production assistants. You'll be able to track spending real-time, instantly transfer funds to all cardholders for free. Establish budgets and rules and much more. Get three months for free by using the promo code FILMMAKERSPOD. Oh, and look at that, we've got Bruce on the line right now. Thank you for writing to us, Bruce. I'm Batman. We know. Toby just said that, spoiled it for everyone else. I'm vengeance. Make your mind up. Don't be a joker. Uh, Bruce? Bruce? Yeah, I think we lost Bruce. <sighs> I think he had a bad signal. What was your writing process then like back then? Was it always the same? You'd sit down in front of your laptop, you listen to music maybe, or did it change over time since, since the time you wrote the sitcom? Yeah, because I used to, I used to have a plan. In the yeah. beginning, when I was writing, I was like, okay, who are those characters? Okay, what is the structure? Okay, let's go through from the character to the structure. And then I'm going to feed it with the meat of dialogues, you know? Mm -hmm. And now I became more intuitive and I feel the story inside me and I just write. And because I'm, I became so structured in the way I write, I don't need to write the structure. Mm -hmm. And it's... The different version of it, I know what it's lacking and I'm improving that. And maybe, you know, scripts could be better, but I like to, to write them, you know, like Whole Foods, organic. Mm -hmm. It's very organic the way I write now. It's not anymore. It's not structured anymore. I, I'm, I'm fed up with that. But it was yeah. very useful in the beginning. I think it's, it's almost sort of vital to understand it. It's like with anything, like a card, you understand how it works. Okay, you can probably fix it. The same in filmmaking, you have to understand roles and therefore you can play within that sandbox as much as you like because you've learnt. And that's what you've done brilliantly. You know, that time on the writing the sitcom must have been like hugely influential for you. And what a joy to be paid to write as well, you know. Yeah, because this is mainly what makes you an artist in mm. your own self-esteem. Because otherwise, if you're an artist and nobody pays you, then at yep. the end you're doubting, you know, you're like, well, I'm the only person who thinks I'm an artist, especially if your family doesn't support you, if you're and nobody else is say, oh, what you write is great. You need support in that, you know, in that profession. You really need support, whether it's financial or mental or, 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 or emotional. Yes. And that's why it can be very tough for screenwriters, directors out there when they're on their own. They don't work in teams and they're constantly sending things out and it keeps getting rejected because it does and it will. And it can be really disheartening and you've, you've sometimes just got to stick at it and try and find the best people around you. Did you like to work with other people a lot? Obviously, you've solo written so much. Did you find some points you were collaborating with other writers yeah i love i love collaborating with other writers oh, i great. really love it it's just that sometimes you know i'm like trying to find a collaborator mm. and by the time i find him i, I finished the script <laughs> <laughs> no but it, it, it you know it really happened to me i was like who can i write with and you know i'm writing those scenes those scenes and I, it's 30 35 pages i'm like well apparently mm. i write this alone because, but I'd rather write with someone else, you know, because mm -hmm. I like to be fed with 
somebody else's brain and you know it's it's much better and it's much more nurturing mm. but you know I, I wanted to say that the big difference between people who do movies and people who don't at the end is just the one that don't uh drop it yeah you know that's mm. that's that's the that's the thing mm -hmm. you just because nobody's going to say oh you're a genius whatever in the beginning everybody's even Kazut, who was a huge success My first producers say, well, we don't like your humor. It's super, super heavy. And we don't relate to that humor. I'm sorry, but this is not the movie that we want to make. This mm -hmm. is super vulgar. And I was like, are you like real? Yeah. But then, you know, I found another producer and then it became a huge success. At the end, some people I respected were wrong and mm -hmm. me, I was right, you know, and mm -hmm. this gives you the confidence to keep on going and you need to trust yourself. And you need to dig that tunnel. Yeah, it's so true. And I love that. And did that lead you on to Hey Good Looking? Because you wanted to get back on the saddle as a director as well. When, when you were writing, you know, maybe Cavalcade, were you, were you kind of going, maybe I could direct this? But was it Hey Good Looking that you were like, you pushed to direct? Was this something you wanted to get back? I never uh, thought I couldn't direct. It's just that I had babies, three babies. Mm -hmm, I was married to a director who told me we can be many cooks in the kitchen. At the time, Me Too was not really <laughs> there mm -hmm. yet. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, you'll direct and I'll be the poor screenwriter and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then, you know, I went through a divorce and uh, I was on my own. I had to raise three kids. I needed to find jobs again. And uh, I had this story and I, I, was, I went so miserable with this divorce things, with the fact to be a single mom and with, you know, really, really uh, striking as a, as a mom and a single woman, I said, I want to do a movie that when women feel like shit, they have something to watch that remind them how beautiful they are, how gorgeous they are. And this is why the movie is called that way. Great. I love that. How was that experience? Obviously, because you said your first time directing a feature, you felt like a failure and it didn't go how you wanted. Did you do something different this time? What did you do? First of all, I took some uh, famous actress. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. <laughs> And it does help. Yeah. Second of all, I had the chance that the movie uh, didn't shoot the year it was supposed to shoot. So I had one more year to work on the script and I improved it a lot. Mm -hmm. And this is what I realized. You can't do a good movie if the script is not good. You can do a shitty movie with a good script, but mm -hmm. the contrary is not, is not true. You know, yes. you need a good script. You really need that. And so I was working on on the script. I was doing a lot of improv, a lot of uh, pre-work with the actresses. The actresses were genius, mm -hmm. genius of comedy, genius of uh, a lot of stuff. And, you know, I just happened to have the good producer and, you know, it's suddenly the star are aligned for you to have your moment. And this movie was my moment because, you know, it, it, it uh, was released. I was 40. And uh, so it's, it seems to be late to begin a life, you know, mm -hmm. but that was really the new beginning of my new life because suddenly the movie was such a huge success in France and it's still a huge success. It's a cult movie. I see girls who weren't even born at that time who have seen it like 10 times because I, the intention I told you was that the women would feel much better when they see the movie. This is what happened. And so it's a movie that women see at least once or twice a year when they feel not so good. They have their periods or heartbreak or whatever. Mm -hmm. They 
watch that movie and they feel better. And I'm so happy of that. Oh, congratulations. That's, That's so good and so beautiful. And actually, uh, and, and it must have felt great for you to go through that failure in your own words to then suddenly have the success to go, yes, I can do this. And I was supposed to do this. Yeah. And plus yeah. it was a tribute to my Jewish Sephardic family, my grandma mm. and all this. And it was good, you know, to to make a link between how women were treated in this community, which wasn't so great mm -hmm. and how, you know, I could have a success out of it. And, you know, it was, it was kind of a reward for all the community. Nice. Then you went on to make uh, laughing out loud, uh, which then uh, got you did again in, in the States. Could you talk us through that process how what it was like to shoot in, in France and then what it was like to shoot it again with the same screenplay or with a new version of the screenplay in, in the States and what that process was like? Basically remaking your own movie. Yeah. How exciting. Yeah. In a different language as well. It's Groundhog Day. You're like, oh, I've already been there. Yeah. But you know what? The truth is life is so incredible in itself that even if you're doing exactly the same thing, it doesn't yeah. taste the same. Mm, I mean, yeah. I suppose yeah. that's why we go from breakups to new lovers to breakups to new lovers. Mm -hmm. You know, even if it's the same, it's not the same. And uh, LOL was such a huge, uh, tremendous uh, game changer in my life because uh, I could uh, go through all what was uh, important to me, the mother-daughter relationship Mm -hmm. And the kids, you know, I'm super committed with, with youth because I think my generation has really failed on a lot of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. you have to watch the world today and you're like, oh, I, I'm sorry. We didn't know that it's going to be so wrong, which is true, by the way. We didn't know. We enjoyed a lot of the ride. And then it's like, oh, you're polluting so much. Or you're doing that shit between men and women. Or you're doing this bad, this bad, this bad. But anyway, but I'm interested in focusing on my kids, you know, generation and on the young people. And LOL was my tribute to the young people. And I was, you know, going through such a shit with my daughter because she was turning 14 and 15 and she was having sexual experience. And I was like lost in that world because, and I, around me, all the moms were like, "Why? what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And I was mm. like, well, I don't think we're doing anything wrong. It's just that they're, they're growing up, mm. you know, and we have to let them their space to hate it, us and mm. not take it personally. And we have to take our space to be good moms, even if we are not, you know, mm. and, uh, and this is what the movie is about. And it was such a huge success in France. And still now the movie's just been released on Netflix, like a month ago. Yeah. And it stayed like two weeks in the number five movies preferred of, of you know, when it's so incredible 12 years ago, yeah. and it's, uh, such a huge breakout in my in my life it's such an amazing uh so of course i wanted the american uh version of it mm -hmm. and in the beginning i didn't think i would do it you know i just wanted to sell the script and do it and, mm -hmm. and the director would have done it okay then the producers told me well we're interested in you as a director because i think you as a female director you as the director of the french movie i think it's super interesting that you're you doing it and i was like are you sure and there were the producers of uh, a fish named Wanda mm -hmm. and, uh, and the big chill. I mean, all those movies that were my movies. Yes. Was, if they say I'm the good director to do that, then they must be right. So this is how I decided <laughs> sure. that, you know, I'm going to say, yes, I didn't plan on that, but it was my dream. Mm. 
And I had the Dreamcast because Miley Cyrus and Demi Moore. I mean, mm, what my God. better? Yeah. It, yeah, it was incredible, and I loved doing it, and I loved doing the same thing, but it wasn't the same. And I loved casting some new people and some new American people. Mm. It was funny to to see the difference between the American and the French culture, yep. because basically the big difference is in grounding, is in being, you know, what is it to be a good parent? What is appropriate in America and what is not appropriate, like drinking alcohol before 21 is a, like a huge thing. When mm. in France, we give wine to our, our, our kids when yeah. they're 10, you know. Yeah, it doesn't become a big thing anymore. <laughs> it's exactly. not a big thing. Mm. And in America, it's such a big thing. Then, you know, having sex is such a big thing and showing your tits is such a big thing. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was a whole new world about you know, censorship and puritanism and mm -hmm. all these things, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why the movie didn't work out so much at that time in America is because it was puritanism meeting with French freedom and it wasn't a good cocktail for America. Yeah, the experience of working on an American movie as well must have been, you know, really, really interesting for you and fascinating to work in that system and go over there and shoot as well. Talk a little bit about that and working with different crews as well and how that held up to it's your normal. It's the same, you know, French. basically doing a movie in America or in France is the same because basically the crew is there to help you. Mm -hmm. And American crew are such darlings, you know. I, this is why I love America, as I love American men. They really want to be good men for a woman. And at that time, you know, there wasn't, it was before the Me Too movement. So it wasn't, it was very rare for for uh, directors to be women so mm -hmm. all those big boys in their trucks and stuff and they really wanted to help me and you know i was partying basically with all the kids all the time so i would mm -hmm. have like two or three hours of sleep wow and uh, and so i said can you please organize me like not a little room but a little mattress somewhere where i can during you know the lunch break or something <laughs> where i can have a little bit of sleep because yeah. Anywhere. Because I'm partying too much with the kids. Apparently, <laughs> the actors told me that sometimes I was saying action, I would sleep and I would wake up at the end. And go, that was great, guys. We got that. That was great. Let's, let's do another one. I don't think it's true, though, but... Living the dream, literally. And we, we shot in Detroit. And Detroit oh, is okay. experience in itself, you know. I wasn't... I, of course, in the beginning, I thought this was this going to take place in New York. But mm. no. Because of a Detroit incentive, it was 30% incentive at that time in Detroit. We did Detroit and it was supposed to be Chicago. So I, I, I shot in Detroit and Chicago. So I was out of my comfort zone. Detroit was destroyed at that time, mm. really destroyed. And it was so sad, this city. But then there was a life in this destroyed city that I felt so strong and gave me the strength, you know, with all these kids around me. And I was part of the kids and, you know, I'm, I love kids so much. You have no idea how much I, I like teenagers and, mm -hmm. and I'm super uh, grateful that they still include me in their worlds. Even today, you know, I'm with my, my kids, uh, friends, even in LA, I'm friends with people who are 20, 21. I'm concerned about what's happening to the young people. Yes. I know well, it's very different. The whole social media world is totally different to our world. Now they have to live through this thing, whereas we could hide somewhere about, you know, that they can't. They got to live through that. And it's really difficult. How do you find directing children as opposed to adults? I say children. I put that into the teenager bracket, obviously. But how do you find that working with them? When I choose an actor or 
a non-actor to be in my movie. I choose a character in the sense that I choose him as the character he is in real life. Mm -hmm. I'm not really interested yeah. in are you a good actor or not? Because I think that a good director can make anybody a good actor. Sure. Because, yeah. you know, what is acting is just being yourself and being natural. So mm -hmm. it's like hosting a dinner. You know, if you host dinners and you want everything to be so perfect, you might be sure that the dinner is going to be a mess at one point or another. Mm -hmm. If you just say, okay, you can keep your shoes or take off your shoes, feel, make yourself at home. I'm going to take a bath, be five minutes in my home. And if you want to do the tomato sauce, you can help yourself. Then people feel home and they feel like, you know, Relaxed, they're, yeah. mm -hmm. they're going to be natural with you. Yes. And I'm never playing a role like, oh, okay, I'm the director and you're going to obey me. I'm not there. I'm like, okay, we have this project and we're going to try to make it together. It's a collaboration, basically. So it's the same with actors and non-actors. And I love having people who never had an experience on screen. Mm. Because I know, you know, it's like I'm like giving them something that they will always remember. So yeah. I want it to be a good souvenir, you know. It's like when you're having a, a sex with a virgin cousin, you know. You want to, wow. you want him to remember you for <laughs> good, uh, as a good experience. I definitely do. <laughs> so, no, but, you know, it's like, you know, you're going to be in their mind forever and you want yeah. this experience to be as gentle and as nice and as beautiful mm. as it can be. Mm. So it always happens very good. Brings the magic back on sets, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. Suddenly they're in a movie and yeah, as you said, it's the, the first time and it's something magical. And uh, yes, it's like putty, isn't it? I suppose you can play or more, you know, Play-Doh where you can mold something out of them. Whereas an actor, they're quite stoic in their performance. I'm coming here and I'm giving you what I'm giving you, which is cool too. But like you say, with someone brand new, you're like, look, let's relax, play. And especially if you cast right, which it sounds like you do, and it looks like you do massively. I do want to come on to I Love America, but it's just whizzed through, you know, the fact that you then went on to make uh, a chance in counter where else we go 14 million screams uh it keeps going you produced a couple of movies in between that as well the leader you directed wrote and produced sweetheart lost in the disco and then uh we come on to isle of america so we touched on it at the beginning about how you wanted to do something that really resonated with you of having written all those films and having done that like i said we sort of touched on was this something that you went okay this is the movie and how long it had it been percolating in your mind that you wanted to make this oh this is very funny because this is the first movie i didn't intend to write i came in america in 2019 in the beginning i was supposed to be in portugal but then something brought me here the lost in the disco thing it was mm -hmm. a theatrical uh, about the disco in new york so i went back in america and i felt like oh my god i love being in america really so and i decided you know i did i did sweetheart and it was about my my daughter moving out of the of, of the house and i'm okay i'm not a mom anymore yeah. maybe you know i would be super good if i am somewhere else than in paris grieving my mother's time you know so let's be adventurous and do something else mm -hmm. so this is why i decided to come in america and i decided that maybe i'm going to be a, a shadow director for great tv shows so that i can learn a new skill, way and yeah, way of, skill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it was you know a lot of tv shows and i was 
very impressed by the quality of these TV shows. And I'm like, anyway, I'm empty. I have nothing else to say. So I'd rather use my craft of directing for other people's story. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're going to hire me to do a little thing somewhere. And so this is where I am when I arrive in America. And I have this gay friend and he's like, well, you need to go on Tinder. And I'm like, no, I don't. And he's like, yes, you do need to go on Tinder. You can't stay like a single person here. And it's it's fun and you're going to have fun. I'm like, no, I'm not going to have fun. This is for losers. I mean, this is what is in, in, in the movie, you know? I'm like, there's no way I'm going to meet people uh, like that. But then the mm. pandemic happened. Mm. And that was the only way to meet people. And also, I always think that, you know, American and English language men are so sexy. I don't know why. We are. I mean, there's no <laughs> question about that. No, but you know, it's true. It's all my, in, in, we don't feel that way. You know, the, the great guy was American. I've always fantasized about an American. I was like, well, this is the great, you know. This is a chance. Nobody knows me. I can do whatever I want. And mm-hmm. It's like, okay, let's go for it. And this is how the movie got written because basically... I began to date. I began to understand what was going on. I was in America, understanding the new rules of this social media kind of thing, and that's that. That's it. And again, so it just flowed out of you this sort of idea, and which is so gorgeous that this happens to you throughout your whole career as a writer director. Is that you? You were just kind of like, well, this is how I'm feeling now. I'm going to write that. You know, my daughter's leaving. I'm going to write that. I'm in America, and I'm going on Tinder. I'm going to write about that, and it's gorgeous because. You know, it's beautiful film. It's so stunning to watch. And I was so cared about, you know, what's going to happen to her. And it was just just a delight. It's like, like I say, it was a bouncy, beautiful little film. And I think it shows that you experienced all that. Um, there's a certain truth to it and, and honesty mm. to, to, the, to all the scenes, and which makes it a really warm and, and magical experience to watch it as well. Talk us through how it actually got made then, because now you're shooting quite a lot of this in America. How did you then raise the finance was it kind of like a co-production was that kind of how does that work for you on a film like this? i just went because i spent so much time in america i realized that my kind of movies which are human stories are not in theaters anymore you know mm. people mm. don't buy tickets to go and see intimate stories they go to see superheroes and marvel mm-hmm. stuff like yeah. that Yeah. Or Christopher Nolan, but you know, I'm not there yet. Yeah. So uh, I realized that my movie now are made for platforms. So I saw that Amazon had great movies and great stuff, quality stuff. Uh, Netflix is something else. Netflix is something you like to binge. You know, it's like uh, uh, the good in and out burger that you mm. like crave for. But <laughs> Amazon, you can feel you can have some really, really good gems there. And um, so when I arrived in France, I was I didn't really want to go to theater. And I went to Amazon and I said, would you like to do that movie? And they said, yes. And when Amazon says, right. yes, you don't have any finance problem. They they do it. You know, that that's it. That's mm. done. So I didn't have to convince that much, but I'm super, super grateful to this person in Amazon in France because he really made my life so much easier. And I'm super proud to have done. It's one of the it's one of the biggest uh, success in France for Amazon as a movie. And I'm Amazing. super happy for that. I'm super happy for you. That's incredible. 
That's super work. The, let's say, directing process on this, how did you find it compared to everything else? Was there anything different you did or was there anything you thought, oh, I'm going to try this this time, especially shooting in America, uh, especially after what happened with LOL? Was there any difference here, you know, shooting in America? Or was it just you being you and having a great time? No, I know that, you know, there is a process in America. We don't even have that word in French process yeah and yeah. and we shouldn't because it just gets in the way we, we just don't process things we do or we don't you're like we don't mm. date mm. we fuck or we don't yeah which is in the script yeah, it's yeah. The script, you know it's it's in france it's 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 another way of seeing things mm. and with lol american i learned the process and i learned that mm. i cannot be as stubborn or as uh uh impatient that I could be in France, that there is a process and I have to admit it. And mm. this is going to help me go through it easily. And the process during COVID tell me mm -hmm. it's not a process. It's like a crucifixion every mm. fucking day. But, you know, I had to go through that process to be able to do the movie. So that's it. And also I've, I've, I've decided when I was in LA, I was thinking I, love so much the sunsets here mm. so instead of doing daytime like in the script or nighttime like in the script i said sunset times yeah which is beautiful beautiful but which only last one hour which is a to a whole night or mm. to a whole day yes. you know so yeah. i kind of you know put a bullet in my foot do we say in french you know they say oh we're gonna shoot that in sunset okay we had planned five hours so it means we're gonna have one hour i was like okay mm. but sunset deserves you know the light mm. deserves that effort yeah so does. instead of shooting many scenes for four five hours i shot them in one hour and i don't regret it because i love the sunset in la oh it's stunning we golden hour we call it in the uk maybe in america too what about directing techniques and tips then if you just give us some advice on what you've learned because you're a fabulous director uh you seem like a wonderful person as well easy to get on with talk us through just some directing tips you've learned along the way some of our listeners might enjoy so there's, it's a it's another director. He told me, you know, at the end of the day, what matters is the actor and the you know the 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 big shot of an actor, mm. the close up of actors. This is what's going to give you the emotion and everything. So first of all, my actors are my people on the script. You know, when I direct, I'm trying to be very very friend with them, and I love them, and I deeply sincerely love them. And second of all. I prepare as much as I can, but I let go my intuition. Like, you know, the Santa said things, mm -hmm. it wasn't prepared. And at the, you know, the day before I say, okay, I want this. And some scenes, I feel like there's something lacking. And now I dare to say it. It's not, oh, I didn't ask for it. So I'm not going to ask. I'm asking. And if it's no, it's no. But when, if, we, if I feel I miss an actor or I miss a scene, I'm like, I know it's not written, but I think it would be good to film that. And, you know, and I always film much more than what is in the script. I don't put it in the script because otherwise producers are going to freak out and everybody's going to freak out and they're going to count me like one more week. But mm -hmm. I know that when, when I'm in a room or when I'm in a street, I'm going to film something else. And I always say to the costume designer, I say, bring me some new costumes because I'm going to shoot so many stuff there, but nobody knows about. And she likes to be my little <laughs> complice, you know, so yeah. she many yeah. stuff. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. And I know it's not in the script, but let's do it. And also cool, something cool. very important is to make scenes where nothing happens. Just the character is looking at outside, doing nothing. And you, you always use those kind of stuff after for editing. 
So if I have one thing to say is, don't forget to film the nothingness of life. Beautiful. Lisa, as well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on the Filmmakers Podcast. Thank you so much. Remember, you can get out there and make your film. You can make it happen, just as Lisa has done. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back down. We will see you next Tuesday, as always. Lisa, thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. Take care. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Yeah, Good bye luck. Bye. bye. We hope you liked today's episode. If you want to hear more, visit our Patreon for bonus clips and exclusive content.